0: back to Bible time we are in Jeremiah 23 today Jeremiah chapter 23 we're going to look at just part of a verse there for now and then we'll come back Lord willing and look at the verse in its context once we've um, looked at some other passages of scripture so Jeremiah 23 and verse 36 jeremiah 23 and verse 36 find it in your bible i encourage you if you're listening online have a bible handy if you can um if you're not driving or something like that and get a piece of paper and a pencil and write down references if you can look them up Um, study the word of god yourself let's go let's get on into our text here jeremiah 23 36 he says here In the second part of this verse, for ye have perverted the words of the living God, of the Lord of hosts, our God. You have perverted the words of the living God, of the Lord of hosts, our God. You have perverted the word, the word of the living God. You have perverted the words of the living God. Father, in Jesus' name, please help us today. Please help us not to pervert your words, help us to rightly divide the word of truth. Please bless us with understanding and illumination in Jesus' name, amen. 2 Corinthians 2.17, 2 Corinthians 2.17, go there quickly. Here, the Apostle Paul, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, says, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. For we are not as many, he says. For we are not as many. Now, this was written sometime around between 40 and 60 A.D., sometime in that time frame, maybe around 50 A.D., 50 years after the birth of Christ, and he says, "'For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, "'but as of sincerity, but as of God, "'in the sight of God speak we in Christ.'" In another passage in Peter, Peter says that Paul's letters have many things in them which are hard to understand, which many unstable souls rest to their own destruction.'" They wrestle Paul's words out of their meaning and they twist those words up and they wrest them to their own destruction. In our beginning text, the accusation against the prophets there by Jeremiah was, you have perverted the words of the living God. To pervert is to twist out of, per, out of place, to use in a matter that is profane. If something is holy and you use it as something profane, then you have perverted it. If you need to clean a dish in the kitchen and you go and get a scrub brush that has been used in the toilet to scrub the toilet and then you take it to the kitchen and scrub the pots and the pans with that toilet scrub brush, you are perverting the dishes. You are using a profane instrument on something that is supposed to be set apart for the consumption of food. Who here would want to eat out of those dishes? Not me is the general consensus, and I agree, so to pervert is to twist to use in a way that it was not designated to be used to use in a way apart from that which it was designed to pervert, and Jeremiah accused the prophets, ye have perverted the words of the living God in second corinthians two seventeen Paul says by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, for we are not as many which corrupt." the word of God. So the inference here is that the majority, many, we, and he's speaking of his little evangelistic band, are not as many. Now we know from his other letters that his evangelistic bands would would consist of possibly three or four or five men most of the time. Sometimes he would work with couples like Aquila and Priscilla, but in general, he had a small group of men that would go with him. And here he says, we are not as many. So the minority here were using the word of God. He said as sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Well, the majority were using the word of God for their own purposes and their own ends. He says, we are not as many, which corrupt the word of God. Go to first Corinthians 15 just a few pages back 1st Corinthians 15:33 be not deceived evil communications corrupt good manners evil communications corrupt good manners so here he's he's not as many which corrupt the word of god He is as of sincerity, as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ, but these many are corrupting the good manners, the good way. Now your manners have to do with your way. Your manners have to do with the way that you walk in. Old John Bunyan wrote the book about pilgrim's progress where he walked in the way and there were many that came along and tried to corrupt pilgrim as he went on his way and they tried to get him out of the way. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth. the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. And so, in that narrow way, that straight way that he talked about, he said, Straight is the way, narrow is the way that leads unto life, few there be that find it, broad is the way that leads unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. So that Broadway, the many way, the way of corruption, the way of resting the scriptures, is the majority way. It's the way that most people go. It's the way that most religions go. This is what Jesus Christ taught. And these religions corrupt good manners. Evil communication corrupts good manners. And when they corrupt the word of God and the communication of God to man, they thereby corrupt the way of man, the good manners of man. They change the direction of man. You can't. You cannot change the words without changing the actions. When you change the words, you change the actions. So we're going to look at that just a little bit here. Go to 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 2. I think I wrote down the wrong... Reference there, he says, nevertheless, avoid fornication. Let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So that's not the verse that I was looking for. And I don't have my um, list here that I had. Let me look it up real quick. Now, that's some of those good manners, by coincidence, if you want to, if you believe in coincidence, that's some of those good manners that have been corrupted in our day, the avoiding of fornication. Now, once you change God's word and make a way for you to do whatever you want to do, then all of a sudden the fornication can enter in. That would be 2 Corinthians 7.2. 2 Corinthians, not first. 2 Corinthians 7.2, which will help me with the next reference as well. Second um, Corinthians seven two, receive us. He says, we have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. And now that's a big statement to say we have wronged no man. That would be big in and of itself, but they've corrupted no man. They've defrauded no man. This little evangelistic band now, the, go to verse um, 3 of chapter 11, 2 Corinthians eleven three. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And we're going to look at a few verses here in 11. Here we have the mind being corrupted. And what is the mind being corrupted from? It's being corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Here, Paul says, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And in other words, that means the word of God. God speaking his word through Paul. When he says we have corrupted no man, part of that is because when he wrote these letters, the Holy Spirit of God himself was writing through Paul. And he, Paul said, we have corrupted no man. You want to get into the Apocrypha and the book of Judas and all this garbage out here, all these other so-called books of the Bible that are not books of the Bible. We have 66 books in in the Bible that are God-breathed spoken by God through the mouth of men, written by the hand of man with the hand of God wrapped around the hand of man to make sure that the hand of man didn't miss a single comma, a single jot, a single tittle, the hand of God in every part of it. We have 66 books of the Bible, thus inspired by God. And here Paul says, by inspiration of God, by the very breath of God, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Verse three, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So corruption then is linked to subtlety. Corruption does not happen immediately. You would not call it corruption. You would call it destruction. Whenever a house is sitting in a city And then little by little, the water begins to leak in and the animals begin to get in and the floor begins to rot out and cave in and the structure is damaged. It happens little by little over the years. The house becomes corrupted. And then eventually the house is condemned and then in comes the heavy equipment, the backhoes and the excavators and the bulldozers and then the house is destroyed. Now, if the house was sitting there on a good foundation with with strong structural components and it had a beautifully finished interior and a bulldozer showed up and began to push down that house there would be an outcry against that act of waste. People would be offended that such a beautiful house was being destroyed and so it is with the word of God. If Satan came in and he took your Bible out of your hand and he threw it on the floor and he stomped all over it and he ripped the pages out and he chewed them up and he spit all over them and he defecated them then you would have an outcry against the destruction of your word. So Satan doesn't work that way. He works the other way. He comes in slow. He comes in small. He comes in subtle. And we're going to look into that here today. The subtlety of Satan is linked to the corruption of the word of God. If it was not subtle, if it was not little bitty changes over time, there would be a general outcry. And Satan knows better than to do that because Satan is a corrupter. Now look at verse three. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached. Wait, wait, wait. Another Jesus... Well, that would offend most people. If if here you are sitting in church and a man stands up and you've heard about Jesus, how he died and was buried and rose again, and a man stood up and he says, listen, I want to tell you about another man and his name is Muhammad. Your ears would perk, your eyes would bulge, your face would turn red, and you would start gathering your things and getting ready to leave. If you were part of the leadership of the church, you'd probably be standing up and shouting, stop. So Satan doesn't start that way he doesn't start by directly preaching another Jesus he has to start by corrupting the word of God. So he says here for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received or another gospel which ye have not accepted ye might where might well bear with him. For I And then he goes on here in verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now here when he said, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we've not preached, whenever he's speaking of this, he's saying if you, the context of this is, if someone comes up, comes to your church with a better gospel then free salvation by the grace of God through no merit of your own. If if there's another gospel, then God himself becoming man and living a perfect sinless life and dying a perfect death on the cross in substitutionary sacrifice for your sins, being buried and raising again the third day, ever living to make intercession for us. If there's a better spirit than the Holy Spirit with better fruit than love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, goodness, meekness, temperance, If there's a better spirit than the one that you've received, he said, you might well bear with him. So that's the context of what Paul is saying. But the link here between another Jesus, the link here between another spirit and another gospel and the corruption of your minds from the simplicity that is in Christ is a real link. And that's what we're going to focus in on in this passage. Lord willing, if we keep doing Bible time long enough, someday we'll preach through 2 Corinthians 11 and get it exactly for what it says. And I encourage you to study out and get the context of what it says. He says these that he contrasts himself and his ministry to these in verse 13, who are false apostles. One of the main contrasting aspects is the fact that these These false apostles were making gain of them, and that he would not make gain of them. The love of money is the root of all evil. Follow the yellow brick road, you'll find at the end of the money trail, you'll find the answer to the corruption and to the evil and to the wickedness in this world. And by the way, the corruption of the word of God is directly related to the money trail, and we may get into that just look at the whole copyright issue. In order to get a new Bible version, you have to change it enough to have have it be considered an original work. If it's not an original work, you cannot get a copyright. If you cannot get a copyright, you cannot charge licensing fees. And there you have it. Now, if that doesn't perk your interest, if that doesn't get you to start thinking and your wheels turning, I don't know what will. We've got over 270 some Bibles working on over 500 Bibles that call, they all say Bible on the cover, but they all say different things inside of them. The word of God has been corrupted. I probably lost half of you already, but if you're willing to go on and stick your head in the sand, I can't help you. They cannot all be God's word. God is not a liar. And when two Bibles say contradictory things, one of them or both of them is lying. Now, the Bible, Jeremiah um, accused the prophets of perverting the words of the living God. That happened long before Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem. That happened long before Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day. And then we looked in 2 Corinthians where many corrupt the word of God. So this corruption has been happening for a long time. Verse 13 of 2 Corinthians says, such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And I'd like to Camp on that for a while, but I can't. We've got to keep moving. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Now, if you are basing your decisions and you're basing your perception of spirituality off of your own experiences and your own emotional feelings and your own intellect, you will be deceived. You only have one hope for discerning false apostles from true apostles. And it's not the signs and it's not the wonders. Go back to Exodus, not right now, but look at the plagues and look at how many of the plagues the evil pagan priests were able to mimic. They turned water into blood. Many of the priests that, many of the signs and wonders that Moses did in the name of God, these pagan idolatrous priests did in the name of their false gods. Your signs and your wonders are not enough to stake your eternity on. You need something more sure than signs and wonders. And there's only one thing more sure. And that is the more sure word of prophecy. Look up that phrase and read the context in Peter. For your own study. Now we have these false apostles and deceitful workers. We have the corruption of the word of God. We have the corruption of another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. And this all comes from the corrupting of the mind from the simplicity that is in Christ. Back in verse 3 of chapter 11, he says, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So having that example given us from the Old Testament, It would do us well to go back to it. Go to Genesis chapter 3. And let's look there at the serpent beguiling the woman. This is the first account of the corruption of the word of God. As we studied yesterday in Bible time, Genesis chapter one is full of the word of God and the mention of the word of God. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said some more. And when we get to chapter three, it says in verse one, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said yea hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden but of the fruit and and we go on from there so this serpent said yea hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden first thing that the devil did here was he added to the word of God he added that little word every in there ye shall not eat of every tree of of the garden. Secondly, he questioned the word of God. That's that question mark on the end of that statement. Yea, hath God said? And he put that question mark to it, casting doubt on the word of God. With this question, thirdly, the devil changed the meaning of the word of God. He shifted the judgment. He shifted the law. He shifted the requirement of God. He changed the holiness of God. He changed the the standard of God by changing the meaning." After these three devilish darts were thrown, the woman added to the word of God. Look at verse two. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the woman added to the word of God. Look at it in verse three. Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it touch it lest ye die. And if you go back to the commission of God to Adam in verse 17 of chapter two, it says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So the woman following the devil's suit added to the word of God and Satan immediately leveled his attack at the point of her biblical ignorance. The devil threw three darts. He added to the word. He questioned and cast doubt upon the word. He changed the meaning of the word. He shifted the meaning of the word. And then when the woman fell to the subtlety of the serpent and followed suit by adding to the word of God herself, at that very moment, Satan attacked her at the point of her biblical ignorance. He took the very... Thing that she had said and used it against her once the word was corrupted the fear of God and the reverence of God departed because now the devil was no longer attacking just the word of God the devil was attacking the corrupted word of God that had been corrupted by his own filthy mouth and by the ignorant mouth of the woman and this corruption therefore did not have the fear it did not cause her to recall the reverence of God had been removed from the discussion because the word of God had been corrupted. And at that point, the transgression against the word was as easy as taking a bite from that fruit. Because when the reverence and the fear of God had been removed from the word of God through the corruption of God's word, the woman was now susceptible to act without the fear of God to hold her in check because it was no longer, the pure word of God that was being discussed. Look at it here in our text. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. His attack came and was leveled at her point of ignorance. He knew he had her. First, he added to it, he questioned it and cast doubt. He changed the meaning and he got the woman to add to it. And then he came in and removed from the word of God the judgment of God that ye shall not. Not surely die she reached out the bible says and took it look at verse 6 and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to, to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and don't miss the significance of that once the word of god had been corrupted the fear of god was removed the reverence of god came back from her heart now she believed another gospel she had another bible she had a corrupted word of god and when she reached out and touched the fruit, the word that she had considered to be the word of God was proven to be in error because she had added, neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. And when her hand touched the fruit, the fear of God was not there to hold her back from touching the fruit because it was not God's commandment to not even touch it. And when she touched the fruit, having placed as much emphasis on the touching of the fruit as the eating of the fruit through the corruption of the word of God, and she did not die, her belief and her faith in the incorrupted, pure word of God that if she ate it, she would die, evaporated and fell down at her feet and she had no defenses left. Satan had won the battle before she sinned. He got her to sin against the corruption Corrupted word, And as soon as she sinned against the corrupted word, her fear of the pure word had vanished. And she moved into actual sin against a thrice holy God. And she touched and she took and she ate of the fruit. And she gave to her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And that signifies the death of the Spirit. What we see there is the result of the spiritual death of man. This is a point at which many people corrupt the word of God. God made Adam a living soul, He made him body, soul, and spirit, and the spirit was the most preeminent godlike part of Adam. And when Adam ate of the fruit, Adam died that day. His communion, his ability to understand God, was cut off because his spirit died. And his spirit was the part that more than any other part, God called Adam. Now all there was was the soul and the body, a dead man walking, a dead man walking, as we have studied in the book of Colossians. Now, how do many pervert the Word of God? How do many corrupt the Word of the living God? Today, we're going to look at a few ways that many corrupt and pervert the Word of God. It happens in the exact same pattern that it happened in the Garden of Eden. The devil is not a creator. He is a corrupter. The devil has nothing new to offer, so he always goes back to the same old tricks. Now, the first way that the Word of God is perverted is by adding to the Word of God. I want to look real quickly at, three ways that the Word of God is added to in our day, in our society, in our culture. First of all, the we have the adding to the Word of God by use of the Hebrew and Greek to give extra meaning, quote unquote extra meaning, to passages until the meaning has changed. I spoke to a young man recently in the last few years who told me that if he reads more than one Bible version, it gives him a bigger perspective and a bigger understanding and gives more meaning. And it's not that this meaning is wrong or that meaning, but that they're all right and that through all these different right meanings we can get a better understanding of the Word of God. What a lie from Satan. What a corruption from Satan. What a corruption from hell. He uses the Hebrew and the Greek. The devil does. And his ministers who make themselves apostles of Christ, false apostles, they give extra meaning to passages in the Word of God until the meaning is changed. I listen to a man once take a perfectly understandable passage of scripture and he got out an old concordance and he started talking Hebrew and Greek and he started talking tenses and he started talking all these extra things that people couldn't understand and by the time he was done he had that verse meaning exactly flip opposite of what it meant Now you think this doesn't happen. That's because you've been deceived and you've been corrupted and your mind has been corrupted and you have been beguiled. Now, the second way that the Word of God is added to is by the giving of private interpretations of Scripture based on personal opinion. Now, beware fundamentalists, because this is the one that we do more than any other. This is the fundamentalist error right here. You have an opinion, you have a personal standard, and you take the Word of God out of its context, isolate a verse or part of a verse so that you can make it say what you want it to say. One of most dangerous ways to preach is a jump off sermon where you take part of a text and jump off it. I have no intention of doing that with Jeremiah. We're going to get back to it and look at it in its context when we get there. But to take a part of a verse and jump off from there and preach your little soapbox message, preach your little opinions and never preach the whole counsel of God, never bring more scripture to the table. You just twist and rest the scripture to your own destruction, adding to the word of God. And by the way the children that grow up under your preaching are going to abandon the faith because they see through that junk. And what will happen is those things that may be true, that you are trying to preach hard, that you're trying to burn into your church's heads and into their hearts, those things are going to be just like Eve when she added to the word, the fear of God was removed from the word of God. And when you stand up and preach text out of context and you don't give the whole counsel of God and you give your stinking opinions instead of giving the word of God, the fear of God. God is removed from the word of God. And people who grow up under that kind of preaching and teaching will blow out and they'll go off and find themselves something else because what you've got has no power. Now, the third way that the word of God is added to is by claiming some kind of extra revelation like the little Miss What's-Your-Face that started Seventh-day Adventist. You get out of that cult if you're part of it. I love you enough to tell you it's a cult. Get out of it. They claim some kind of extra-biblical revelation. They have some kind of heavenly download. I'm getting a download from heaven. They have some kind of extraterrestrial data, words of wisdom, prophecies, that supposedly have equal authority to God's only word. Now, these include a lot of people that go and run it with the Pentecostals and the Charismatics. They find themselves a safe haven amongst those churches. There's some good Christians amongst the Pentecostals, but there's a bunch of false apostles running around in the middle of them. The Charismatics, the Pope speaks from his little throne over in little Vatican City, thinking he's God Almighty and he's Satan in the flesh just about And that Pope sits up there and speaks ex cathedra and says that his word is as the word of almighty God. And he adds to the word of God. And he claims to be God almighty sitting on his little throne. Old Joseph Smith added to the word of God. He said he got some kind of download from heaven. He got some kind of golden tablets and some kind of angel Moroni, which is none other but one of Satan's devils. Oh, Moroni is a devil. Do you hear Me today, and he thought that he got some kind of revelation. Oh, Muhammad did the same thing, doing Satan's dirty work. These wicked men, these filthy dreamers, adding to the word of God. Adding to the word of God. Now, the second way is they question the veracity of scripture. They question the veracity of Scripture. First, they add to the Word of God. Like old Westcott and Hort, do you hear me? Westcott and Hort, who gave us all of our modern so-called versions of the Bible in English, besides the King James Bible. Old Westcott and Hort, Christ-deniers, God-haters, reprobate, false apostles, liars. They added to the Word of God. Secondly, the way that the Word of God is perverted is through questioning the veracity of the Word of God and casting doubt upon it. One of the ways that the Word of God is questioned is by using so-called early manuscripts. And quote, this text does not appear in the the earliest manuscripts, end quote. And they'll put their little footnotes in there. They'll say what this should have said, a better interpretation of this. There are a bunch of Bible correctors constantly telling you your Bible's not good enough. You got to go to school where they went to school. You got to lick their boots. You got to buy their books. You got to listen to their podcasts. You got to do everything they tell you to do if you're going to understand the Bible because you can't understand it for yourself. They cast doubt on the word of God. Yea, hath God said. They Secondly, they spiritualize away clear doctrine. Oh, R.C. Sproul, Lord love him. Lord have mercy on him spiritualizing away clear text of the bible the bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved and that all who call upon the name of the lord shall be saved and they'll come up these guys these theologians and they'll say well all doesn't always mean all And they'll cut you off from the gospel so fast. They question the veracity of God's word. They take away clear doctrine and clear meaning by making analogies out of clear, literal texts in the word of God. The Bible has many spiritual applications, but the Bible is what tells us when it's being spiritual. Jesus Christ tells us whenever he's being spiritual, and he tells us when he's being literal, and it's that way all through the Bible, and you've got no right to spiritualize away the literal word of God. The third way that the word of God is questioned in its veracity is the contextualizing away of scripture. Watch out fundamentalists, because here we go again. Boy, this one has wreaked havoc in the fundamentalist churches across America. Contextualizing away scripture. You say this was for the Jew and then you make the quantum leap and say so it isn't for you. I've got news for you. All all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for exhortation in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. Look it up and make sure I quoted it right. I make mistakes, but the Word of God makes no mistakes. Let God be true, and every man, a oh liar, you stolen, you hyper-dispensationalists, you have stolen 90% of the Bible from God's sheep. Shame on you, perverting the word of God. The fourth way that the word of God, the veracity of the word of God is questioned and doubt is thrown upon it is through foolish and unlearned questions. 2 Timothy 2.23 says to avoid foolish and unlearned questions and people will bring up foolish and unlearned questions about the blood moons, Mr. Haggy, about other things, all you false prophets. They'll bring up flat earth garbage. They'll bring up all this trash and they'll bring up foolish and unlearned questions that cause doubt and doubtful disputations and people can't even read the bible straight anymore because of all the stupidity that's been thrown at them what about the baptism of the dead foolish and unlearned questions avoid the bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established If the word of God only has one reference to something, you've got to just trust God with it and move on. But don't you dare make a doctrine out of it. Out of every, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And Christ taught us that doctrinal principle for accurate interpretation of the scriptures according to the, god's only and true word so we looked at the adding to of the word of god we looked at the questioning of the veracity and the casting doubt and i've barely even scratched the tip of the iceberg of these subjects but the third way that the devil attacks and perverts the word of god is through shifting meanings Now, we've kind of touched on this in the questioning, uh, in the questioning the veracities. You can shift the meaning through spiritualization. Oh, you can change the meaning by saying this wasn't really literal, it was spiritual. You can shift the meaning by contextualizing away the meaning of the Word of God. But we want to go a little further with this. This is where meanings, we shift the meaning to, excuse me. Once you shift the meaning, you change the meaning of the word of God, like the devil did to Eve, then the meaning is relative to the opinion of the reader. Whoever is reading the Bible now gets to say what the Bible means, which is a private interpretation, a shifting meaning. Now, this is what the devil did to Eve. He got her to shift her understanding and um, where she said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. And he had reinforced that. And then he attacked that. And we'll look at that attack next. So the devil then can attack on all fronts, pinpointing the individual's greatest area of biblical ignorance and building a pseudo-religion around misapplied, misconstrued, misunderstood texts. Now this is hard to pinpoint because this shifting meanings comes like the shifting sands, like the sinking sands. You go out and try and knock doors. Now you might ask me, why do you yell so much? You go out and talk to a, few, to a bunch of people about Jesus and before too long you're going to start to see it too you'll see what the devil's doing if you just go out and try and follow the Lord and I've been a miserable follower of the Lord I've done a terrible job following Jesus but as far as in that he has given me the grace and the enablement and the power to go out and try and follow him I've seen what the devil's doing and the Lord's shown me and I hate the work of the devil so here they corrupt the Word of God, misconstruing scriptures, misunderstanding texts. Now this gets into a field that is so vast that you can't even touch it. Everybody that I meet, everybody I try and tell about Jesus has their own little ideas. They've got their own misunderstandings. They have their own take on certain texts. They've taken a few Bible verses and taken them out of context. And they're hanging their eternal life on their own shifted meaning of the scriptures and with all the shifted meanings guess what you can't even talk to them because when you say redemption they don't mean redemption when you say the blood of Christ they don't mean the blood of Christ when you say virgin birth they don't mean the virgin birth when you say Jesus Christ they've got another Jesus when you say the gospel they've got another gospel when you say death on the cross they don't even believe it but they say it like they believe it because the definitions have been changed dispensationalism they've changed the definition the inspiration of scripture they've changed the definition all the meanings have been changed and now every man does that which is right in his own eyes and when they read the bible they get a completely different conclusion than anybody else because they have not submitted themselves to the meanings that god placed on his own word in the word of god the bible defines the bible Once you get your own private interpretation, once you have your own private definition of terms in the Bible that are unbiblical definitions of terms, you can stand and talk to Dwight L. Moody about the gospel and die and go to hell thinking you're saved because you have redefined the terms and people can't even get through to you anymore because you have completely shifted the meanings of words. This is the corruption of the word of God, the perverting of the word of the living God. God says, ye must be born again. And man says, well, I believe, etc., this and that and the other. Well, my priest believes this, that, and the other. My pastor says this, that, and the other. The TV preacher says, and I say, how shall ye escape the damnation of hell? The fourth way the veracity of the scripture is attacked is by the removing of the word of God. The taking away, the literal removal, destruction, deletion. Once the house has been corrupted, then the house gets condemned. Then the bulldozer shows up and pushes it down into a pile of rubble and they haul it to the landfill. We are watching the removing of the Word of God take place before our eyes today. You think that this attack on the Word of God is going to end with the Bible versions? It is only a matter of time before the King James Bible is made illegal across this world. It will be condemned for hate speech. It will be condemned for hate text. It will be condemned as a razor of seditions. It will be condemned as a book that causes wars and strifes. It will be as condemned as a book that is intolerant and it will be made illegal oh they're not going to make the niv illegal they love that book and for good reason and if you've got one and you're preaching from it you're doing satan's work and you need to get out and get back to the bible Satan said to Eve, Ye shall not surely die. This was a direct contradiction of God's word. If Satan had showed up in his form as Satan, Eve would have recoiled a little bit at this being standing before her. And then if he said, I am here to tell you that God's a liar and you can eat that fruit if you want to and you'll be better off for her, she would have ran. But Satan started by adding to the word of God. And then he went and he questioned the veracity of God's word and cast doubt upon it. And then he helped her shift the meanings of God's words. And once she had shifted the meanings, then he came in and directly contradicted and removed from Eve's heart the very word of God. Ye shall not surely die. But Eve could not see it because she had been corruption corrupted. Through the corruption of God's word. Today whole passages are missing from the most brazen and satanic versions of the Bible. Like the New World Translation the Jehovah's Witnesses put out. And even the more satanic occult Bible called the NIV. In any of its revisions. No wonder rumors have it that the Jehovah's Witnesses are now accepting the NIV as an alternate to to their New World Translation. I don't know if that's true, but I heard a rumor that that came from a Jehovah's Witness. And so I'll just state it as the rumor that it is. Now in Exodus 20, God said, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Go to Deuteronomy 4.12. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 12. Here Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, and he says, And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. Only, you, only ye heard a voice. We touched on that in yesterday's podcast, how that all the people there present heard the word of God. <clears throat> he says down in verse 15, Excuse me. He says in verse 15, Take there ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, and in verse sixteen, lest ye corrupt yourselves. And how would they do that? By making other gods, another Jesus, another spirit another gospel. He says, take heed, take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image. And you can go on and look at that. And what is he talking about? The similitude, the similitude, a likeness, something that is close on the outside, but is different in its nature. He said, take heed to yourselves. The devil corrupts the word of God by giving you a similitude of the word of God. A false copy, a partial copy of the word of God. Go to um, Deuteronomy 5.20. He says here, neither shalt thou bear false witness against thy neighbor. If your Bible is bearing false witness, get rid of it and get a King James Bible. If you can hear this podcast in English then you can and can read, then you need a King James Bible. It's God's word in English. Now, there is no neutral ground left on this issue. I realized when they came out with these false Bibles, a lot of Christians were taken by surprise and the changes were so subtle that it took time to begin to see the depth and the magnitude of the satanic attack on the word of God. There were some good and godly men that used wrong Bibles Bibles that used bibles that had been corrupted but they had learned their doctrine from the good old bible the king james bible and they preached the doctrine that they knew and unfortunately the devil used that to sow seeds corrupt it to sow corruptible seeds amongst the churches now I thank God that where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. I got saved while my family was using a perverted copy of the Word of God, but God soon after showed us the truth and moved us to the King James Bible. And if you are His, He'll move you too. You think that's extreme? God is holy. I wish I could shout right now, but I'm out. God is holy. He cannot lie. Bibles that lie are not God's Word. Some people say, God help me. I'll trust God that he made me weak for this part for some reason because through our weakness he's made strong. You listen up and pay close attention here, please. Some say that these Bibles, these false perversions, contain God's words. Let me Listen, listen up, pay close attention. So does the Koran. So does the Mormon Bible. Joe Smith, Brigham Young. These guys plagiarized the word of God to try and validate their perversions. Muhammad plagiarized whole sections of the Bible. He took the Bible and he twisted it up and he chopped things out and he put things in and he added things to it because if he'd tried to write one, it would have been so lousy. Nobody would have followed him. Same thing for Joe Smith and Muhammad. They added things like polygamy, having multiple women. They added wife beating, child molestation, and they excused all this wickedness in these unholy books. Satan is not a, cre- a creator. Satan is a corruptor. So you say, well, these Bibles have some of God's words in them, even though they have mistakes. Go get a Koran and start preaching out of it. Go get a Mormon Bible. It's got some of God's words in it too. Praise God where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound, and there's been a lot of people saved who had no idea how much Satan had lied in the very Bible they were holding in their hands. But just because grace abounds, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, says Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. Get rid of those perverted Bibles and get a real Bible for Christ's sake. You say... I don't know who to trust. I don't know where to turn. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, but if from thence, from where? From captivity, from the place of captivity, from the place where the enemy has you in bondage. He says, but if from there thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart. It will cost you everything to follow Jesus Christ. You say, oh, I'll lose too many people if I leave my modern versions and I go back to that old King James Bible. Praise God. Do yourself a favor. Burn those wicked Bibles and lose all those people who aren't following Jesus anyway. If they're following Jesus and you show them the truth, they'll follow you right out of that junk. Take heed, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 32.5. And he says, they have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. The man that did more damage to me than any other so-called Christian in my whole life called himself a Christian. His spot was not the spot of God's children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. He put his arm around me. He respected my standards. He gave me space to have my King James Bible while he read out of the other versions. He gave me space to have my godly music while he listened to that contemporary trash. And he put my arm, his arm around me and led me into sin that nearly destroyed me. Get out of that junk! He makes, his angels, he makes his ministers angels of light, Satan does. We read that in 2 Corinthians 11. I don't feel like I did that passage any justice at all. Let's look at it real quick before we get back to Jeremiah and close out. Go to, I believe it was 2 Corinthians 11. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. And he says in verse 13 For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light we'll go to Jeremiah 23 I want to talk to the pastors for just a moment chapter 23 and verse 1 says woe be unto the pastors woe woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture saith the Lord Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. You preachers call yourself a preacher and you're adding to the word of God. You're questioning the word of God, casting doubt on the word of God, shifting the meaning of the word of God. You're not long before you're going to be removing the word of God. As the old saying goes, a preacher took a church and he started preaching the word of God and the The people sat there listening after a few years one of the men of the church was dying and the preacher came to sit by his bedside as he's dying and the dying man said preacher would you read me some of the scripture and give me some words of comfort as I before I go on to the other side and the preacher said sure I'll I'll read you some scripture now that preacher didn't carry his Bible because he didn't care about the Bible and the man said my Bible's right over here so the preacher went over and got that man's Bible. And he opened it up, and the pages were all cut up. There were passages missing. There were pages cut in half. There were pages torn out. There were sections that had been blotted out. And he looked at that. He said, what happened to your Bible? And the man said, well, preacher, I used to have a whole Bible. But then you came to church, and you told us that this passage wasn't in the Bible. You told us First John 5, 7 wasn't in the Bible. You told us about Acts chapter 8 and how the older manuscripts didn't have it. And you cast doubt on this passage and that passage. And preacher, I can't take a Bible that's not a Bible. I won't use a Bible that has mistakes in it. So I just started cutting out everything that you cast doubt on. He said, if I'd have lived another couple of years, all I'd have had left was the covers. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, saith the Lord, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whither I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase, and I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed neither shall they be lacking saith the Lord behold the days come saith the Lord that I will raise unto David a righteous branch and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth in his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely and this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness look at verse 9 mine heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man and like a man whom wine hath overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of His holiness. The preachers all across this land, I'm speaking to you, all you preachers across this land, you missionaries on foreign fields who are perverting the word of God. You are adding to the word of God. You're questioning the veracity of the word of God. You're casting doubt on the word of God. You're shifting the meanings of the word of God. You're removing the word of God from his people. God's coming after you. For the land is full of adulterers. For because of swearing, the land mourneth. The pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up, and their course is evil, and their force is not right. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Wherefore, their ways shall be unto them as slippery ways in the darkness. They shall be driven on and fall therein. For I will bring evil upon them even the year of their visitation, saith the Lord. And I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria... They prophesied in Baal and caused my people Israel to err. If you are sitting under a preacher or a pastor who casts doubt on the word of God, get out! Get out! Get your old Bible, the King James Bible, go home and get your face in the word of God and seek him with all your heart. And you'll find him if you seek him for all your heart. And he'll give you pastors after his own heart. He'll either move you to a church or he'll move a church to you where they uphold and magnify and extol the Son of God, Jesus Christ the Lord. And they believe the word of God from cover to cover. I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, behold, I will feed them with wormwood and make them drink the water of Gaul. For from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. You preachers with your false Bibles, Have profaned the word of God You have perverted the word of God And profaneness Has gone forth into all the land Why do we have sodomy Running rampant in America Because the preachers Have profaned the word of God And the people love to have it so Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts Concerning the prophets Behold I will feed them with wormwood And make them drink the water of gall where from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. That saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. Turn off your TV preachers. Shut down your radio preachers. Old John MacArthur, you're a liar. You say the Bible's only 98% accurate. You're twisting the word of God in your new version. You're a liar. Shut those guys off. Don't listen to them anymore god said it not me he said don't listen to the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you they make you vain they speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the lord oh god in heaven help us today they say still unto them that despise me, they say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, Ye shall have peace. And they say unto every one that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, No evil shall come upon you. I know the thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord. And they'll get up and preach that all week long to a bunch of adulterers, to a bunch of hell-bound liars, to a bunch of whoremongers that the Bible says shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. They make you vain. They've lied to you. Get away from them. They say no evil shall come upon you for who hath stood in the counsel of the Lord and hath perceived and heard his word who hath marked his word and heard it. Get your Bible out. Get a pen out. Mark that word. I know that's not what he's saying in the sense that you have to have a pen to mark it. He's saying mark it in your heart. Who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and hath perceived and heard his word? Who hath marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury. Even a grievous whirlwind, it shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed, until he have performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, ye shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets." yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from their evil doings. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? I have heard what the prophets said that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people... To forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name. For Baal, the prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream, and he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? These prophets, prophesying out of their own hearts, get away from them. He says, "You prophets that are prophesying according to my word, keep preaching it. What is the chaff to the wheat? saith the Lord. Look at verse 29. God hears your words, and God will keep His words. You think that the Bible' some dead book that can be manipulated, that can be construed, however you want to construe it, because it's some kind of dead book written by man. You don't know God. He says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets. You listen to me, you preachers, you prophets, you pastors, all across this nation all around this world perverting the word of God God says to you therefore behold I am against the prophets saith the Lord that steal my words everyone from his neighbor behold I am against the prophets saith the Lord that use their tongues and say he saith God's coming for you God's on your trail God's on your trail. There's no bloodhound on earth that can track you like God can track you. He knows where you live. He knows where you lay your head down at night. And you are lying to God's people. You are lying to this nation. And God's got your name written down. And it's not in the book of life. He said he'll take it out of the book of life if you pervert and add to and take away from his words. God is on your trail. God's hunting your soul. You're going to burn in the lake of fire lying prophets false apostles behold I am against them that prophesy false dreams saith the Lord and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their likeness yet I sent them not nor commanded them therefore they shall not profit this people at all saith the Lord and when this people Or the prophet or a priest shall ask thee, saying, What is the burden of the Lord? Thou shalt then say unto them, What burden? I will even forsake you, saith the Lord. Churches across America, you filled your pulpits with false preachers, with false pastors. You filled your pews with false Bibles. God says, I will forsake you, saith the Lord. I will forsake you, saith the Lord. It's already happened in most cases, happening every day. Churches go on, churches are built, churches are so-called planted, but God is not in your midst because you have listened to false prophets, you have false Bibles, you have lying words, and you are doing the work of Satan. And as for the prophet and the priest and the people that shall say the burden of the Lord, I will even punish that man and his house. Did you hear that today? You churches out here, you say, hear the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord. And you hold up your fake Bibles and you tell people lies in the name of God. God says, I will even punish that man and his house. And it's coming. It is coming today. It is coming soon. It is coming to America. The judgment of God against this lying and crooked and perverse generation is about to be poured out because we have forsaken the word of almighty God and hearken to lying prophets who preach and prophesy out of their own hearts. Thus shall ye say everyone to his neighbor and everyone to his brother, what hath the Lord answered and what hath the Lord spoken and the burden of the Lord shall ye mention no more for every man's word shall be his burden. God's gonna make you eat your words and false preachers and you that are under them, get away from them. Get away from them lest you suffer the judgment with them. For ye have perverted the words of the living God, of the Lord of hosts our God, saith the scripture. This is our text from this morning. For ye have perverted the words of the living God, of the Lord of hosts our God. Thus shalt thou say to the prophet, What hath the Lord answered thee, and what hath the Lord spoken? But since ye say the burden of the Lord, therefore thus saith the Lord, because ye say this word, because ye say this word, the burden of the Lord, and I have sent unto you, saying, Ye shall not say the burden of the Lord. Do you hear this today? God is saying to you, you false apostles, you false prophets, you preachers, you pastors, you've got your seminary studies, you've got your false Bibles, your Bible correctors, casting doubt and dispersion on God's word. God says I have said to you ye shall not say the burden of the Lord but you say it anyway and you keep on preaching and you keep on podcasting and you keep on broadcasting and you keep on putting your stuff up all over the place he says therefore behold I even I will utterly forget you and will forsake you and the city that I gave you and your fathers and cast you out of my presence and I will bring an everlasting reproach upon you and a perpetual you will shame what shall not be forgotten as we close the historical context that was preached here was to the children of israel so some people say this doesn't apply to them all these false prophets will tell me i'm out of context the reality is that the historical context only adds weight to this message because you can look historically and see that God not only said it, but God did it. God forgot them. God forsook them. God cast them out of their city. God destroyed them with destructions and judgments. And you sit there and you think that you're going to escape, you false prophet, you false pastor. You think you're going to escape the judgment of God. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Father, in Jesus' name, help us today. As we, in our final statement, Jesus Christ, almighty God in the Bible, died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Seek the Lord with all your heart. There's hope for you if you will turn. But if you will not turn, you will burn.